podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Jones! Barden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Those memories never fade, do they? That amazing match at Edgebaston in 2005 with Richie Benno and Ian Smith there reporting on the final of the, the World Cup. And actually, uh, it's worth just mentioning Ian Smith because we've started this uh, virtual cricket club on a Thursday night and tomorrow night it's Mark Wood who's going to be our guest. We had Stuart Broad last week, Joe Root the week before, and they've both been very entertaining. So Mark would hopefully will be as well. Ian Smith, I want to get him on. And I've actually sent him a message saying, please join us. Of course, seven o'clock in the evening, Thursday nights, is going to be eight o'clock in the morning in New Zealand. Uh, but hopefully he gets up early, Simon, and we can get him on because he would be great, wouldn't he? Absolutely brilliant. And also, also well, he'd be just back from his morning run, wouldn't he? Back from his morning run. Oh, yeah. Uh, quick, yeah. quick, quick shower, bit of breakfast, and then he'd be ready to speak morning to Morning run? You mean morning roll? I mean, he rolls out of bed and probably never moves faster than that. So uh, no chance. Anyway, it's been a, an interesting week. We're just uh, dropping in to say hello and a little mention for the th tomorrow night, the Thursday night uh, virtual cricket club. But also there's been a couple of things happening this week. The England squads for South Africa announced the end of the IPL league section and the retirement of Shane Watson. Interestingly, at the end of that with Chennai Super Kings almost propping up the table. So, you know, plenty to talk about. Shane Watson, the man who came to you for batting advice. <laughs> you love saying that, don't you? You love it. Well, it, but it's true. It, it's absolutely true. I mean, I was as gobsmacked as, as you or anyone else. I mean, Boycott obviously loves the story. Did you notice, by the way, um, Boyks is auctioning off his um, memorabilia at Christie's at the moment? There's a lot of lots. I mean, he has stored up so many things uh, in his uh, pads, various pads around the world. And I say pads, I don't think there's any pads in the auction, but there's lots of caps and stumps and memorabilia, like sort of mementos of past achievements, lots of bats, as you'd expect. Uh, the bat that he scored his test 100, 100, 100 with in uh, Headingley, his 100th 100 at Headingley, uh, and uh, so many other things. Uh, if you go onto the Christie's website, you can have a look at that. I think he must be short of a few quid, do you reckon? <laughs> it is bizarre, isn't it? Um, has he got the bales from Trent Bridge where he ran out Derek Randall? <laughs> Actually, um, I, I, I visited him, uh, as I've said a couple of times before, um, on the, on the, the, this podcast. And um, at the end of our interview, he showed me his trophy cabinet. And the best bit about it was after he'd shown me, you know, a few sort of um, porcelain images of him hitting his 100th run and, you know, various china vases and, I don't know, plates and things like that, commemorative plates. He said, oh, this, look over here. This is really good. This is special. And there was a picture on the wall. And I said, what's that? And he said, it's a picture of the Berlin Wall, right? I said, what? Picture of the Berlin Wall? What's that doing there? He said, well, look, have a look closer. And if you look closer, there is a graffiti on the Berlin Wall which says, Jeff Boycott, I love you. Or Jeff Boycott, we love says, Jeff Boycott, we love you. On the Berlin Wall. And someone what? had taken a picture of it and sent it to him. And, of course, he's got it framed on his sitting room wall. 
No wonder they knocked it down eventually then. Exactly. Yeah, I was thinking, well, you should have had a piece of that, really. Tried to buy a little bit of it. But it's, it's there in, in Pride of Place. And I actually, I made a little video. So if you go onto YouTube, the analyst site on YouTube, there is a little clip of him showing off that that uh, that bizarre, bizarre picture. No, Shane Watson then. So Shane yeah, Watson. Sorry, I, 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 I sort of um, got sidetracked there, didn't I? Shane Watson. Right, Shane well, Watson, yes. he, he called you up. You were dr- yeah. driving home somewhere yeah. one night, and the phone went, and Shane Watson's on the other end of the line, yeah. and he said, Simon, I need some advice about batting. And presumably yeah. you, th- you thought it was a spoof, a bit like I thought it was a spoof, actually, when Matthew Hayden phoned me in Antigua the day Brian Lara broke his world record. I, it was an Australian on the end of the line, and I just thought, uh, he, you know, he, it's just some random Australian who's got my number and is phoning up to, to want to speak to Brian Lara. So I actually put the phone down first time. Yeah, he, he had to ring back, but anyway, I got them together again. Anyway, I digress there. Shane Watson, then he phones you up and yeah, he yeah. says, "Simon, help me with my batting." And you say, "Well, I, well, I, I, I had to first I check. <laughs> I had to first check that it wasn't a wind up. It wasn't a spoof because it was late at night, and you know, any Australian voice." anyone could have put on an Australian voice and exactly. pretended they're Shane Watson but he did sort of say well I'm li- I'm in Melbourne and it is me really and I talked to Shane Wall and he's asked me to call you or suggested I call you and I, I you know after a bit of sort of uh, examination of why the hell he called me to ask uh, to ask my advice about batting what he then said basically was um, he was struggling to convert 50s into 100s and that was very much true if you look at his career 59 tests only four hundreds in that uh, in those fifty nine tests and lots of fifties. I think over twenty fifties. So he just had trouble converting. And he said, "I'm just really struggling, mate, to convert fifties to hundreds. Can you help? I know you talk to a lot of batsmen uh, about the game, and you know you're an analysis. You you do a lot of analysis. Um, you know, perhaps you could help. Uh, I'm trying to sort of tap any any resource I can. It, it does sound a bit like scraping the bottom of the barrel talking to me, really. But anyway." What I thought I'd say, having sort of tried to reason whether he was really being genuine, was actually, if you look at the the, the way that the the great run scorers behave, and I cited, obviously, Alistair Cook as one, and um, you know very, people like Jacques Callis and people like that I'd talked to a little bit about batting. Jonathan Trott actually cropped up in my conversation as well. There's something about them at the crease which uh, w- they exuded a sort of serenity when they were batting, uh, as if nothing really bothered them at all. You know, they play and miss or snick one through the slips or edge one into their pad or something, and it, you never know that they'd made a mistake. They just got on with the game and played the next ball. And whereas, you know, I always thought with Watson that he wore his heart on his sleeve and that, you know, bowlers would start to get the sense, especially when he got to 50, and they, the England played on this a lot. They'd say, oh, you know, he's got to 50, he's going to get out soon. And, you know, they played on that. And, of course, he would then look anxious and, uh, and and bat in a slightly more sort of fretty kind of way. And that gives the bowlers more confidence and they get him out. And he makes a mistake and, and off he goes for another 52 or something. So I said, well, you know, what I, you get from those really successful hundred makers is they just look completely blank when anything bad happens. And you start doubting as the bowler that you've done any good. And that immediately puts you as the bowler on the back foot. And, it, it, you know, it's it's just a brilliant um, way of, of handling adversity, you know, because it makes the bowler feel almost sort of impotent, really. 
And I, and I tried to put pass that on to him as don't wear your heart on your sleeve. Don't look so agitated at the crease, whether it's on 20 or 54. Just try and clear it from your mind. And he went, yeah, thanks, mate. That's, that's really helpful. Yeah, brilliant. And kept getting out for 50 loads of times and <laughs> kept getting his reviews wrong. And, uh, you know, he in the end, he's probably better off playing T20 cricket because you don't have to make hundreds. You go in and, and smash it. I think that the mental side of the game in the end, although he had a, a damn good career, 26,000 runs over 600 wickets, it's pretty good, but he probably never quite delivered at test level that his ability suggested it would. Well, that was going to be my next question, actually. Did that advice uh, make any difference? I mean, it's bad news for third umpires everywhere, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, they'll, exactly. They'll almost be out of the job um, from now on. Uh, also, as well, it strikes me, just you know, been watching the IPL a lot, and CSK didn't have a great time of it. Perhaps it is part of their their rebuild now. I mean, Shane Watson, 39, you know, is a team of old lags, really. Um, Sam Curran mm. was in there, but you, know, you look at the ages, there's so many players are over 30 in that CSK side, and, and Watson's decided to, to call it a day, so I'll have to find a replacement uh, for him. The IPL mm. moving towards a... Well, it, towards the, the business end, really. Now you've had the league stage, um, Mumbai Indians against uh, Delhi Capitals in the, the first uh, eliminator. And then then the match on Friday is RCB up against uh, Sunrisers, Sunrisers Hyderabad. Yeah, Sunrisers Hyderabad. David Warner's team, so Coley against uh, David Warner. Uh, the, 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 every match in the end was of significance. Uh, but they, the last two games actually were, were quite dreary. Um, a, because Sunrisers won very comfortably against Mumbai Indians, who, who rested a few players. And then the day before, a game I commentated on for the, for the BBC. Uh, actually, what would be interesting is that they could have knocked RCB out. The Delhi Capitals could have knocked RCB out by winning inside 17.3 overs. Did, didn't really need to. They just. But it, what would be funny, of course, is if they end up playing each other later in the tournament and losing, they could have actually eliminated them. But I mean, you, I mean, you could lose to anyone on, on the day. Um, mm. But RCB are there. Um, Mumbai Indians. Are, and of course, uh, they haven't. They haven't ever won the tournament. Um, no. RCB have never won it. Neither have yeah. Delhi Capitals actually. So or Delhi. They used to be Delhi Daredevils. Yeah. Um, they haven't won it either. But you know, it's one of the sort of beauties of the IPL. And I'm sorry if if you listeners don't like it, but it's a phenomenon. And you know, it's it's completely reinvented the game. It's brought a huge amount of money to the game, and obviously to the players and coaches and all the support staff as well. But the, the great thing about it is it is unpredictable. And even what was fascinating was even in that game between Kolkata Knight Riders and uh, the Royals, you know, the bottom team who were at that point, I think, were Kolkata briefly, um, were, could could win the tournament. Um, so, and, you know, it was a, an amazing scenario where it, all the teams were had all the teams had won six games. And that's the first time that's ever happened. So there was this incredible kind of narrow gap between the top and the bottom, particularly the middle area of the league, was was so neck and neck. And that's in a way, that's what you want to, with a league, isn't it? It's uncertainty to the end. And I think it's five of the eight teams have won the tournament, um, the founding teams. It might even be six, actually. So there's only two left who've never won it. And those two are in the last four, which is mm. which is great because it just it gives everybody a chance, basically. Yeah, and the organisers, of course, that's exactly what they want, isn't it? They want every match to to mean something. It's one of the reasons 
why in the big bash they added an extra team as as a qualifier they 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 enlarged it from four to five but i mean that's sort the problem with that is it sort of undermines the competition because you play for six seven weeks or whatever it is and then you've only eliminated three teams and you know i, I mm. i'm not sure i'm not sure about that as being the the right way to go but i mean for those watchers of the ipl uh, this season i mean it's been you know compelling viewing i mean you think of those millions of people without a huge amount to do in india you know there's in their uh, sort of covid situation uh, you know sport is is a compelling thing to to, to wrap mm. yourself up in really over the, over the last few weeks and it you know it has it has kept everybody's attention and it, it, only only mm. Chennai super kings you know were right out of it rajasthan were in it right to the end then then dropped out but yeah i mean most of the teams covered by very few points mm. and and actually the audience figures 28% up in india mm. and even in england actually the sky uh, audience figures for the ipl have been i think better than They've ever been before. They're even beating uh, pay-per-view view of, of Everton against whoever they were playing at the weekend, um, which wasn't on live TV. So they were doing the pay-per-view thing, and the IPL did better. Newcastle, so Everton against Newcastle, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah that that got something like one hundred and fifty thousand, and the IPL was getting two fifty thousand. So even though you might not like the format, um, you can't uh, escape its its phenomenal impact. What, what do you think that was about? I mean, it, more England players playing. I mean, for, I mean, there are obviously lots of um, yeah, British Asians watching the, the IPL, but also more England players playing I as well. Quality, I think the quality of the, 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 the quality of the entertainment, actually. The, the things like, you know, there were so many brilliant duels. And again, you might not like the sort of slight vulgarity of Andre Russell against Jasprit Bumrah, whoever it is, but, you know, the way that they play. But it still makes quite compelling viewing. And, you know, there's Chris Gale. Chris Gale was astonishing, wasn't he? He came in halfway through and aged 41, he was belting the ball still out of the park and, and went past a thousand sixes in T20. That's incredible. And, and, and there's something, I, I, I mean, I watch him back from behind the sofa. You know, it's, 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 it's absolutely intimidating. And I feel a bit sorry for the bowlers, but, in the end, you just got to admire his brilliance, actually, and and his longevity, and and you know that that he's still got the appetite to do it. There haven't been that many massive scores, though. I mean, there were there were scores over two hundred at the start of the tournament, uh, especially in, in well in Sharjah there were. I mean, one of the issues of late has been the fact that the due factor and the fact that you know, mm. teams chasing you know, are beginning to win a, a lot of matches. I mean, I think if, if that happens, then you've got a bit of a problem, haven't you? And that's one of the problems with day-night white ball cricket is, is the due factor. And, you know, everyone wants to bat second. They're desperate, desperate, desperate about second. And that, and that is, uh, you know, if, if that mars the, the the knockout stages, you know, say every game is won by the side batting second, then mm. that that is an issue, really. Um, because, yeah. I mean, yeah, playing in the UAE compared to playing in, in India, different conditions. Um, but... Yeah, and, and start haven't they got that spray they can use now on outfields? And I remember they did. Was it in South Africa they used it? It has been used. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure exactly how um, effective it is, but it, mm. it, 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 you know, teams <laughs> teams chasing of late have, have dominated in in the IPL. Although you know, you look at that game between Morgan's Kolkata Knight Riders and. Uh, archers and and Joff, Joss Butlers and Stokes's Rajasthan Royals and the Royals batted second, uh, chasing a big score, 190, and, and lost. And they got 
they've just capitulated in the end. So yeah. you can, I think that there's pressure on the team first, batting first to make a big score. But if they do, scoreboard pressure can still overcome yeah. the due factor. Yeah, definitely. Of course, of course yeah. Um, but if it is skewed that way, um, perhaps just T20 lends itself to chasing anyway. You know, all things being equal, teams yeah. generally want to chase, don't they? I mean, early in this tournament, when the pitches uh, were, were, you know, it was dry in the evening and very hot, teams were, were actually batting first and winning a lot of games, one batting first. But it's all changed as the tournament's gone on. I mean, it actually seems to be going on for ever and ever. Um, and there's another one not far away, is there? In, in a... and, and actually, there's a women's one now as well, which is good. You know, three women's uh, T20s and then a final, which are sort of being slotted in between the men's games. And that's a brilliant opportunity for, for some of those w- w- female players, actually. Um, very exciting. I'd love to see how, how they go. Because there's some talented players now, aren't there, around. And, and they can hit sixes as well. So it's great that they have the opportunity. Is there going to be a, a women's Indian Premier League soon? Well, that's the idea of this little trial. You know, see kind of what the audience figures are probably and, you know, the sponsors and it's inevitable and, and it's right and, and they should do it. And the Indians have woken up a little bit late, I think, to women's cricket, but they're, they're a force to be reckoned with now. And, uh, you know, it's interesting actually that also some of the sponsors in the IPL, men's IPL, are women's products. Like there's Lotus Herbals, which is a, a sort of factor 15 uh, moisturizer, which has been worn by some players on their shirts. And uh, the Rajasthan Royals were wearing uh, a, a company's sanitary pads name, uh, a, a company that, that makes sanitary pads to try and raise awareness about women's periods. Um, amazing. Called Nine, a company called Nine. Um, I mean, that's an astonishing development. Yeah, and, and Manoj Padali, who's the, one of the, the co-owners of the Rajasthan Royals, you know, was, was talking about that. You know, it is a, a definite marketing sort of move, a deliberate marketing yeah. move by the Rajasthan yeah. Royals. I mean, they, yeah. they know they know they have a big audience of, of women. You know, it it, it makes sense. Forty percent of the uh, TV audience are women on on the IPL, and that's going to grow, I reckon. Uh, because, you know, once you're back in India, uh, showing it uh, in all its glory with all the crowds, you've got Bollywood and cricket or B- Bollywood and sport combined and uh, and all the celebrities of element and the dancing and the, the razzmatazz and the buzz of it, it, it. You can see why it would be attractive to women. So, um, you know, it's uh, onwards and upwards from that point of view. Um, we're, we're nearly done for tonight. Um, I suppose we should just talk briefly about England going to yeah. South Africa in a couple of weeks' time. And, uh, well, they leave on the 16th, uh, so when's that? About 11 days' time. And um, the teams have been announced with no, Joff- no Joffre Archer or Ben Stokes. Uh, they're rested, I think, which is quite understandable. For the one-day part of it, they are playing in the in the T20s, but not for the, the one-day part. I remember uh, Chris Silverwood saying distinctly uh, earlier this year in South Africa that there's a good chance that Joffre Archer you know, won't be playing a huge amount of one-day international cricket in the future, simply because of the demands on him. I mean, it's, you know, it's not like he won't play at all, but you know, they will look to, to rest him as, as much as possible um, you know, or manage his, his workload, I think, is the, is the best way mm. of describing it. And England clearly have got a, a heavy workload in the new year because of the, well, if it goes ahead, the, the 
test series against Sri Lanka and then the test series against India and then the, the white ball games against India. And then, of course, you know, not long after that into another IPL and then the you know, domestic season starts. So, you know, the, you you try to manage these things as, as much as possible. I, I know that Reese Topley is, mm. is back in the squad. Mark Wood is there. Mark Wood's going to join us um, at seven o'clock on Thursday evening in the virtual uh, cricket club and we'll give you a link for that if you want to to join it'd be great to have you with us they've been really successful so far with that uh, Stuart Broad and and Joe Root we're on for about an hour but Reese Topley's and he did play one uh, one day international against Ireland uh, at Southampton right uh, in late August early September time but he's you know he's not really played uh, well he's not played international cricket for four years but he had a good um, blast uh, with Surrey so he's the sort of he's the sort of the one name that sort of catches your eye really he, he's back there I actually saw him play a one day international in South Africa the other thing about Reese Topley is he, he's easy to forget he actually played in the last World T20 in India he played in a famous game uh, the match against South Africa he didn't go particularly well he went 2-0 to 33 but he played in the match that England chased 230 uh, to beat South Africa which which helped them you know, which ultimately was a crucial win for them and their progression uh, to the final um mm. So yeah, that, good that's selection. I like I like that selection actually. I think um, I remember that uh, towards South Africa when he played in in a couple of those games, and he does bring something different. He's tall. Uh, he's got some pace. He swings the ball. He bowls a really good Yorker. He's got a great back of the hand slow ball, and you know he's had to deal with a lot of uh, different injuries and and difficulties. And you know, credit to him that he's come through that actually, and he's definitely got something different about him. So I'm glad he's he's got the call up again. And another man, you talk about injuries, another man who's got a bit of pace as well, who's in the one-day squad, and that's Ollie Stone. You know, he's, he's had injury problems, but in, I mean, England are keen to, to keep him involved. They know that he's got something a bit different, especially when you you know look ahead to that series in uh, Australia next year. They have a talk of, of, of pace. I mean, I know Stuart Brawl was saying last week that the most important thing uh, for those for that series is going to be big runs, but... You know, you don't, you never, you never know who's going to be fit, do you? You don't know who's going to be, be ready. You know, Archer might not be fit, Wood might not be fit. So, you know, you need to have as many options as you possibly can. I think my my highlight of the IPL actually was the the delivery from Archer to Johnny Bairstow, hundred and fifty one kilometers an hour. So what's that? Ninety three. Just a, a, a slight nit backer straight through him. Big drive, little stump. Oh, fantastic! And did you see Stokes? ramping Pat Cummings back over the keeper's head as well. I mean, that was an incredible shot, a six. Oh, I don't know. I mean, and Archer, going back to Archer, I mean, he was astonishingly good in, in the IPL. It, it obviously is that that format really gets his juices flowing, doesn't it? He loves that adrenaline of, of coming on in the first couple of overs and getting some early wickets and sending a few little kind of um, chin bit of chin music to the, to the opening batsman and then finding a ball. I think he, he does Warner for a pastime. In, in the IPL and any other kind of cricket, one day cricket, it just runs a couple across him and he's, he's a walking wicket. Mm. So, Oh, you know, I, I really hope he does stick at the, the, the 50 over game as well. And England don't just sort of exclude him or, or, or avoid using him in that because he's dynamic. Well, well, they, they, they will use him, won't they? They will use him in, in one day international cricket. I want him, you know, to, down the line to play in the next, uh, World Cup, but it's about manage. It's, you know, it, it's about managing his workload. If you're playing in all three formats, you know this. We, you know, we know mm. it. If you play all three formats, it's so demanding, mm. and that you have to look after the 
the quick bowlers. It's one of the reasons, actually, I was a bit surprised, and we have mentioned this, and we might ask Mark about it tomorrow. You'd probably have to be uh, fairly uh, discreet about it. It's one of the reasons I was a bit surprised that he didn't get a, a central contract. I know money's tight, but that's how you look. You know, Central contracts have helped the England management look after the quick bowlers. And they, you know, they, they're the ones that need to be looked after most and, and managed most because it is such a, a demanding way of, of earning money. Mm. Well, we're looking forward to, to Mark Wood tomorrow night and hopefully he's looking forward to us as well. So can you join us uh, on in the Virtual Cricket Club? If you go to www.patreon.com slash theanalyst1, that's where you sign up. And it is £6 for a month subscription, but you do get four live events for those uh, for that £6 subscription. And we've got uh, Jack Leach tapped up to come in next week and hopefully Phil Tufnell the week after. And then we'll start uh, working on people like Alistair Cook and uh, lots of uh, Isha Guha and people like that. So we're going to get a long list of interesting people to get onto the virtual week. I'm also filing some blogs and some audio stuff as well on that site. So it's worth the money and of course the money most of the money goes to the professional cricketers trust as well which is that charity supporting cricketers who fall on hard times we are lucky that we are supported in this podcast by beer 52 and i've got uh, one here actually um this is the uh chocolate orange pastry stout uh, they're a craft beer organization that's that will send you a free pack of eight craft beers from all around the world for just £5.95 for the actual postage, if you go to beer52.com slash cricket, they are supporting us. And I'm really looking forward to I tried one of these um, beers the other night, actually, uh, and it was a peanut beer. It was dark black, really dark, and, and it did taste of peanuts uh, more than beer. So it didn't really go with my lasagna, actually. But, uh, but I'm really looking forward to this one and some of the other craft beers are really good. So look up that site, beer52.com slash cricket. And as I say, there's a, an offer there for a free pack of eight craft beers if you sign up to that account. Um, and it's only going to cost you about a fiver. So worth doing. And what we're going to do is we're going to do some tasting tomorrow night. So Simon, you've got a couple. I've got a couple. While Mark Wood's on, who sadly is teetotal, so he can't join in, but he can watch us anyway, tasting these beers. So that's another little sort of vignette tomorrow night uh you dropped some round the other day uh to my house did you i haven't looked yet in my fridge did you drop one round with the chocolate in it because i'm quite partial to chocolate uh i don't know i didn't look actually so dare say i dare say in which case you can you well I, I, or i'll say this one up for you for when we're allowed to meet up after lockdown again maybe i'll i'll say this one because i'm a little bit sort of uncertain about a chocolate orange pastry stout i might go for a slightly more conventional one but we'll see anyway so if you can join us tomorrow night at thursday night uh, at the in the virtual cricket club that would be fantastic with mark wood starting at seven o'clock www.patreon.com slash the analyst one simon and i will be there and one little element that we've brought into these virtual cricket clubs is uh, a little quiz uh, in the middle with the player and we call it how well do you know yourself? And we ask them quite specific questions about their career, about their life, one or two things they might not know. Are they a real expert on their own career or not? And uh, that's quite revealing. And, you know, Stuart Broad actually struggled with a couple of questions. I, I enjoyed the question uh, that I asked him about what kind of food did you always ask for as a kid when you went to a posh restaurant? 
And his father told me, Chris told me that the answer was dippy egg. He always wanted a dippy egg with any dish, whether it was Chinese, Indian, English, whatever. But of course, Brody couldn't remember that. So uh, he lost a mark there. So anyway, at the moment, Joe Root is leading the How Well Do You Know Yourself quiz. Six out of 10 is what he scored. We'll have to see if uh, Mark Wood can get better. Anyway, hope you can join us for that on Thursday night, 7pm in the Virtual Cricket Club, www.patreon.com. The Analyst One. See you then. Goodbye for now. Please join us at 7 o'clock on Thursday. Podcast Network.